Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back and relax and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Deanna Seagrave Daly, a registered dietitian who found herself kind of on the cutting edge of many of today's popular areas for dietitians media work, blogging, recipe creation, and cooking. She has connected her media experience with the passion of being in the kitchen, creating delicious food with her partner that she has a nutrition communication business with, Serena Ball. And they have recently come out with a cookbook called Easy Everyday Mediterranean Diet Cookbook. And it has the absolute most delicious recipes that I am so glad she's sharing the process with us today on the podcast. Please enjoy my conversation with Deanna. on um i think it was facebook when you were announcing yeah your cookbook to, yeah i was trying to remember what was that in i can't remember was it uh are these who write or i can't remember yeah, one of those I, groups or yes. i don't know yeah yeah and you were you were, i think you were just trying to get kind of some feelers out because yes. you hadn't launched it yet you were just kind of looking at it was going to launch in october yeah so it was way before then so yeah we connected a while ago we did. But, I just really, I'm always intrigued by dietitians that put the effort into doing a cookbook. And this cookbook has so many recipes and all, I was just amazed by it. So I know we'll get to that, Okay. but I want to talk about, let's kind of take me back to when you kind of got started in dietetics, what drew you to the field? Take me back to those moments. Okay. No, great. Um, it's funny. I went through, um, I kind of went through the back door, I feel like I say. I went to school. I went to Penn State. Um, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I thought, oh, I'll just do business. That's a good, safe major. And I was a marketing major. And, you know, it was okay. I wasn't loving it. In my junior year, um, I went, I was active in, in high school and sports and stuff. Well, when I went to college, I kind of stopped doing that and kind of started doing the, like, eating dinner at 4.30 when the dining hall opened and then eating again late at night and some other things. So gain that, you know, tr very traditional freshman 15, maybe more. And my junior year, I was just feeling, Bleh. and I thought, you know what, I, I got to start watching what I eat and stuff. So being like actually being aware of what I ate. So I took an interest in just, um, like walking, doing some exercising and just being like, oh, maybe I should eat more fruits and vegetables. And then I took nutri at a nutrition 101 class as a elective and I loved it. Um, I had this amazing teacher who, um, she just won the medallion, um, The uh, Chris Clark, who's a sports nutritionist, and she was getting mm -hmm. her PhD at Penn State at the time. She was teaching this class, and she was dynamic. She was phenomenal. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this could be a major. So I went through it, though. Science was never my strong point. Um, so I was like, oh, my gosh. I never went into it thinking I would be more of the clinical medical end of things. I liked it from the perspective of... Um, using education in a proactive way, but also talking to people about food and cooking because I, I was really getting into cooking more at that time too. Um, so I um, got great advice from my advisor and she said, you're so far along in a business degree. We figured it out. So I used all my free electives to take all the prerequisite sciences. I always say I probably was the only major, a marketing major at Penn State 
using all my pre-electives <laughs> to take biochem and organic <laughs> chemistry. <laughs> oh my gosh. No fun classes. Electives. It, those are my electives. Yeah. Um, but what I managed to do, and it just to serve me so well for my um, career, with, but I could have never known it at the time, was I graduated. I stayed another three semesters at Penn State. So I ended up graduating um, with a bachelor's in marketing, but also a bachelor's in dietet nutrition dietetics too so um both served me very well for what my career path ended up taking um like i said i couldn't have known that at the time but i do always um i do mentor students through penn state um and i do always try to encourage them to do some type of minor whether it's in communications or business because I, I just like no matter what you are going to do with that di dietetic degree um it will it will always serve you well to have kind of some of those more um, classes to strengthen what you want to do. Uh, so that is just something that kind of happened by circumstance, but has served me very well. So that's awesome. Yeah. And you know what? I, I'm, but had the exact same experience as you, that nutrition one class. Okay. Like, yes. That's what I did too. And I, I, it's amazing how they must all just have great teachers that just captivate right? me because that's kind of what got me going as well. So that's interesting. I wasn't in business or anything. I was actually in science, but I okay. totally switched what I wanted to do by just that class. So that's interesting that you had that same connection. And isn't it funny we both didn't, I guess if you're not really exposed to that through family or something, you didn't really know back then, like, oh my gosh, that could be a career path talking to people had, about nutrition. Yeah, food. had no clue. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm like the very, my, it's funny because I said somehow um, I married both ends of my, my mom's whole family was health professionals. She's a physician's assistant. My grandfather was a doctor. Mm. My grandmother was a nurse. My aunt was as a nurse, but I never thought I wanted to go into healthcare because I was squeamish about blood. I didn't like working hot. I didn't like hospitals, all of that. So it never occurred to me that could be an option. And then my dad's whole side of family is from agriculture and he grew up on a dairy farm. And, um, so that's, that was one of my uh, very first jobs. That was kind of an alternative job. I, um, I, when I graduated, I, I knew again, I didn't want to go into clinical at all. There were so few options back then. I'm really aging myself. This was like, <laughs> Oh gosh, like the early nineties. And, um, I ended up working for WIC and I ended up doing um, a dietetic. Um, at the time, they were flash in a pan. They were called AP4 programs, um, but they very much focused on community nutrition versus clinical. So they were normally through universities. And I went to Boston through Simmons mm. College. I found a um, an internship that only had six weeks of clinical. So I was wow, like, wow, I do you. not want to do this. <laughs> and I ended up like actually not being as bad as I thought, but I, I thought for the very few options that were presented to us back in the day was like clinical in a hospital, food service, but like mass food service production or community and like new nutrient, like education kind of stuff. So I thought, okay, well, that's where I want to spend at least start my career. That seems the most interest to me. Um, so I worked for WIC before that. And then I went and got my RD and then I worked for a couple of years as a dietitian in outpatient because I thought, okay, well, that's not in the hospital outpatient working with pregnant women. 
Um, and then I landed this like really cool um, alternative job with dairy councils. They do still exist, but they were they were um, back in the day. They hired a lot of dietitians. It's programs funded by dairy farmers, and they put money aside to promote nutrition education in schools. They started like in the 30s as a way to bring milk to school to nourish kids who might not get milk kind of thing. And then it grew from there where it promoted um, dietitians teaching in schools, teaching health education, teaching how milk and dairy can fit into the whatever it was, the food pyramid at the time, but talking about mm -hmm. all different health things. But I got hired to do PR and media. Um, I know I won out getting that role over someone was more seasoned than me because looking back, I know they paid me less. <laughs> but yeah. oh darn it. <laughs> I, but you know what? I it was worth every penny because I learned so much on the job. I basically was in communication. So I was doing that education, but not necessarily like in schools, but I was doing it to the masses through media. And again, going to date myself, the internet had just started, there was no social media. So it was all I got media trained, I did TV spots, I did radio spots, I wrote articles for papers, I was able to develop recipes. We did a lot of um, I did special event planning, like trade shows mm. with consumers to, you know, promote dairy products, but it was always focused around um, food and the deliciousness and taste of food. So I was lucky with that. And I was at that job for nine years. And I always said, somehow I married both my backgrounds, like working for dairy farmers, but in a health professional role. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of crazy. And it sounds like it was the perfect fit for you. It was. And again, I was lucky because I knew about dairy councils back then. I knew they were one of the few options back in the day where dietitians could do like that alternative job. Nowadays, um, especially with social media, there's a lot more options out there. Although I do find when I work with students, they don't always seem to know it like because you're in retail and retail RDs was like that was barely just started back in the day and that was like another I know that would have been another area if I hadn't got this dairy council job in fact I did almost then take a job and leave dairy council halfway through my career there but then they they offered me a bump salary to stay but um to work as a retail dietitian because that to me was the other area that was kind of that alternative um dietitian hat where you could wear a lot of different hats, but educate people um, at the very source of where they're buying food. What's the better place to do it? You know, so as right. I know you can speak to that. But um, yeah, those those jobs were few and far between back then. Um, and now, you know, there's jobs in PR as chefs and people's doing it all on social media themselves. It's just really kind of cool to see. But yeah, I feel very fortunate and lucky that um, I learned a lot on that job. I worked with our national group a lot. I worked with PR agencies very closely. So I came to a point in my career where um, the other thing that was instrumental in helping my career was it, within the, the academy uh, was joining the food and culinary professionals dietetic pr uh, practice group. Um, because that's where I found all like-minded dietitians. In fact, one of the subgroups is retail RDs in that group, but mm -hmm. where it was just, and it was a group too, to promote, if you love food, join this group. And it always seems strange to me that some dietitians maybe didn't food as much as I do. And I'm like, is it go hand in hand, but they like the more science and which we need both of them. But that how can you talk to people about changing their habits and eating nutrients if you cannot embrace the joy and love of food and, you know, people eat food, they don't eat, you know, nutrients, etc. So that was just 
my angle about it, but people in this group all believe that too. These were dietitians from all different backgrounds. Some of the ones I mentioned, um, whether they were, you know, writing or cookbook authors, chefs, um, they could be clinical dietitians that just adored food and cooking too. So that was an instrumental group, again, especially before social media, where you could really connect with a lot of people where I found a lot of like-minded dietitians like myself. And it just worked out perfectly that I became, um, I was on the board for a couple of years and I became the chair of that group right when I got pregnant with my daughter. Um, and I just had taken time off from my job. Um, and it just kind of, it was again, kismet. I thought I was going to go back to this high paced job. I'm flying to Chicago all the time with working with the national dairy group. And, um, I had my baby and I was like, I just, I'm so, I can't do this right now. <laughs> and I yeah, well, for sure. Quit. Um, and, but it worked out really well in my favor that, cause when I ran for the position, I didn't know I was going to get pregnant. I ended up doing the chairship is really like a part-time job. So I ended up staying in touch with giving my pulse in that whole career path with the food and culinary professionals as the chair. But um, that year I had my daughter and I was able to reconnect with a couple of dietitians that they were in the same part of their careers where they had young families, they worked for different dairy councils and we were all like at a fancy meeting together out to dinner, trying to figure out what we were going to do next with our careers. And all of a sudden we're like, we should open a business together. And that was the other kismet thing that um, to this day, I have Teaspoon Communications. Um, one of the dietitians was so successful, she went on and got hired by several other companies after that, but it's still to this day, me and Serena Ball, um, one of the two, two of the three founding members of my um, nutrition communications group, which is called Teaspoon Communications, which will be, gosh, 12 years old in January. So again, it's, you know, a lot of times it really, I tell people, it's the connections of who you know to, um, you know, kind of move to the next path in your career. And networking is just, it's almost like a cliche word, I feel like, but it is just, at least with my career has been, I mean, absolutely invaluable on so many levels. So. Well, and I like how you brought up, you know, like I think, and never dating, don't ever date yourself because I do not think of you as an old dietitian, but you know, I think it's such a great thing to talk about how life things happen in your life yeah. that do cause changes in the way you view your profession. And it's not because you don't want to do it. It's just that other things take priority. And so having your daughter, you know, just kind of changed perspective for you, but it led to so many other great things for you too. Absolutely. So I think a lot of people, you know, they might be like scared to say no, and I can't do this because I want to do this instead. And even though it's not dietetics related, it's still very important to the person that you are. Absolutely. And you're so right, because I mean, it's true as you get older. I mean, I'm proud of my age. I'm 50 at this point, but like, you're young. My daughter's 13, <laughs> which is crazy to me. But um yeah, I mean, I remember because I was I was maybe one of those maybe in the minority. I never even know if I wanted to have kids. I met my husband who's one of 11, which is nuts. And oh my I'm thinking, gosh. I don't know if I want kids and you're one of 11. So anyway, we did get married. <laughs> we had one kid, um, which was the perfect amount. But I always was like, I'm career driven. I got married later in life. Like the, my career is my life. I build up my career. I, I'm moving forward with it. A baby's not slowing me down. I'm not, you know, I'm getting right back on that plane three months, at, you know, and it's just totally changed my perspective. Like, no, I'm not. I'm exhausted. I can't even think straight. Um, and yet thinking, 
sometimes of what you think, like, this is the way it's going to go. Like you said, something else in your life happens. And it, it just means it's, again, another cliche, but another door does open up. And I can't tell you how many that's, I mean, there's pros and cons that our business is so heavy, heavy, or our field is heavy female driven. But the thing that was so amazing was so many dietitians, ones that I've always looked up to in my career and saw their paths and what they were doing. Every single one of me said when I left that dairy council job and I was moving up, I was working for the national group and I left it thinking like, what am I doing? And not every single person I knew emailed me who had a family and said, you will never regret that decision. Your career will be here when you want to come back to it. And you just, you, you, I'm telling you right now, like, you know, the wisdom of perspective. So for hearing that, them saying that was very um, liberating too. So yeah, like you said, sure. just like anything, you know, what is it? You make plans and life's like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Happen. And then you have kids and then it really yeah. uh, <laughs> happens too. But yes, again, um, again, it just, it worked out so well that we, to be able to start this. And that's the thing too. I thought, would I have started a business on my own? Um, I don't know. I mean, now 12 years out, I feel very comfortable of like, you know, turning on a dime because we've had to, to keep up in the world of communications. If you're not, you're going to be left behind. But, you know, starting new things, throwing something against the wall, if it doesn't work, okay, move on. I feel more confident doing that as I got older. But I don't know 12 years ago if I would have started that business by myself. So to have two mm -hmm. other dietitians to do it with, to, you know, go through all those really crazy growing pains of basically teaching yourself everything about entrepreneurship. Because, I mean, at least nowadays, there's a lot more groups of dietitians. I know you've written a yes. book about that. Like, I mean, but those, those tools were far and uh, far, far, you know, far. Yeah, they didn't exist. They didn't exist. They didn't exist. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, uh, again, um, feel very fortunate for, again, hard work is one thing, but I will not deny that I've been very lucky um, too with networking and all that. You can network, you can have hard work, but yet you, sometimes it's just that kind of meet, meeting of fate that just, um you know, it works in your favor. So I feel very lucky in that aspect with several points in my career. So tell me about your business. And I know, so it's called Teaspoon Communications and it is Teaspoon of Spice. Is that a separate? Yeah, that's, that is the blog. So just for okay. everything, you know, we, um, <laughs> it just really shows how you roll with the time. So when we, um, I started Teaspoon of Communications, it will be 12 years in January, which is crazy with my, my um, still current business partner, Serena Ball, who lives mm -hmm. in um, St. Louis and our other founding many, member, Bonnie Johnson, who then um, one of our clients was the National Peanut Board and she did amazing things with them. So she went and got, she, you know, within a year was working with them, hired away from them full time. She's, she, we always called her our bus driver. We were really lucky to not <laughs> only knew we, like we were friends and thought, let's put this together, but we complimented each other so well. She was like almost our CEO, big vision picture that would throw things out there. I was, I seriously, I wear the the badge well. I've gotten softer over the years, but anal RD, I was the detail-oriented person that she would be like, let's do this. And I'd be panicking in the corner thinking of like, 
<laughs> that means we have to do this, this, and this, and this, and this. And I'd be the one that like iron all that out. And Serena was kind of like the glue between that. Like she was just great at communicating with people and just keeping the peace and just, yeah. So we were really lucky that way. So, I mean, we were thrilled for Bonnie that um, she's worked with um, several different top-notch companies and started some companies from the scratch here in America that were in New York. She's done amazing stuff and we've kept very much in touch with her, but it's been Serena and I um, probably for the last 10 years. So when we started, we were um, we basically doing what we had done with our dairy councils just for all different types of clients. So we had connections with PR agencies and that was another area where dietitians were starting to be hired um, to work on food accounts. And now it's just the norm that um, PR agencies have dietitians that work on food accounts. Um, but back in the day, it wasn't as, as um, the norm, but there were through networking, we'd have friends that were dietitians who worked on certain food accounts. So they would think of, as us to hire to either write recipes to that had a healthier twist in it or to do bespokespersons, um, do spokesperson work or helping with branding, um, writing information for websites for companies. And then social media started. And I remember I'll never, forget it was 2011 which my gosh is 10 years ago now and Serena yeah. was like we got to start a food blog and I at the time 10 years ago was like oh there's so many food blogs we don't have why are we starting a food blog she said we have to start a food blog if we want to work with companies and their blogs and understand the lay of the land and so we did and thank goodness I, you know, didn't, because I was anal RD, like, oh my gosh, all the things we got to do to get this going. <laughs> um, but that's when social media really started too. So we knew we're like, okay, we are starting this more, not really to make our name for ourselves. So it more is a way to figure out how to do this so we can do this for clients. But then it became its own entity. Um, and same with social media. We're like, okay, we have to be on, you know, Twitter and then Pinterest, obviously Instagram. And now there's so many more, but we have to be on there. So we look like we're up to date with what media is doing communications, what it was called new media back then. And then we, we're doing this now for clients. We're, we're tweeting for them. We're writing blog posts. We're, then we turned into doing photography. We taught ourselves how to take pictures um, of food and make it look great. And that was another thing that then happened. Um, a dietitian named Reagan Miller-Jones, who's done incredible stuff in the area of new media, um, came to us. She was another fellow dairy person we knew from back in the day. Um, and she had started a blog too. And she's like, you know, I really think there's a space for finding. And at the time, it, se it seems strange now, but literally like 10 years ago, there wasn't a ton of dietitians that were very food oriented focused writing recipes um, blogging about it and they could take real like good pictures of food so we could compete with all the food bloggers out there that were spreading misinformation but they have gorgeous pictures so people are going to click on mm -hmm. it and they know how to do so search and engine optimization all the things they didn't teach you in dairy um in, in, i'm sorry dietetic school so yeah <laughs> we formed a group and it was honestly um it was just a community group really to kind of support each other more than anything called the recipe redux. And it was when we started it was like 35 dietitians who had food blogs, who was interested um, in helping each other. And we just picked, you know, like the 15th of each month, we're going to have a theme and we'll all write a recipe around that theme and we'll promote each other's blogs as a way to kind of support everyone. Maybe we can learn some things along the way. Well, that we had no idea. Talk about something else that just, we thought it would literally just be a community support group. Cause this is before there was Facebook private groups and just places online where you could support each other. 
Mm-hmm. We had sponsors then in a lot of cases, it was some of our clients then come to us and say, hey, you're tapped into a pretty powerful, influ- the word the word didn't exist back then, influencer group. Can we can we sponsor this somehow? And we're like, okay, well, how do we do this? So then we started doing these recipe contests with our members. So we worked with sponsors, like let's say a Cabot Cheese, and they would, um, our bloggers could, um, they didn't have to do it, but it was optional. They could enter these contests and win like really good cash prize money. And then they form a relationship with the sponsor. The sponsor gets to share the photos and the recipes. The sponsor now promotes the dietitian. The dietitian promotes the sponsor. It was kind of kismet. And it was a really great Mm -hmm. way to kind of grow the community. And as a result it became a monetary um option for serena reagan and i for several years that was a big part of our income was organizing and creating these sponsorship opportunities for other dietitians to become a part of with recipe contest and then creating which created content for these um clients and sponsors so that was something else that just kind of we figured out a way as we became more savvy with entrepreneurship. Um, and then from there, it was Reagan and I and two other dietitians that started a blogging conference um, for just our deeds because we thought, okay, this is great. But again, they didn't teach us SEO in dietetic school. They didn't teach us how to do videos. They didn't teach us how to like, anything. They didn't teach us any of that. <laughs> nothing. Like we are all learning this as we go and we're like helping each other why don't we take this to the next level? And we started a blogging conference called Blog Brulee. And we did it for six years in Vermont once a year. And we invited just, we we vetted dietitians to come that we thought could really benefit from this. And we had guest speakers in those areas that were um, pros at doing like how to like make your pins go crazy, Pinterest on Pinterest and that kind of stuff. And how do you write for an audience, uh, a target audience? Um, And then as each year went by, we added things like we brought in a lawyer who works specifically with bloggers to be oh. like, okay, this is the stuff you need to do to cover your butt while you're blogging. But also these are things you need to do when you now start working with clients and getting sponsors to sponsor your blog posts. These are the things you want to have in a contract, like all that kind of stuff. Like how would you even know any of that? Um, yeah. And as the years went on, it became more of a savvy thing and not just, I taught something about, I used to teach a course about using your iPhone to take fo- photographs. Well, now it's like the phones are so sophisticated and there's so many apps, like you pretty much can do it on your own, but it's just funny. Back then it was a class that we taught and um, that was really cool. Cause as the years went on, it became almost more of an entrepreneur um, like conference versus blogging. And the only reason we stopped it was because um, last year we didn't have the sponsorship in place right when we wanted it and it was a blessing in disguise because then COVID hit and we wouldn't be able to have it um but that was again that was another big part of my career that just kind of morphed from us embracing the change and going through the learning curves and understanding sometimes you're putting the work in before maybe the money comes but um and aligning yourself with people that are smart and savvy <laughs> too. I know that right. um, so that was super cool um, that we did that. And then right around that time, like a couple of years ago, then we got approached with an opportunity to write a cookbook, Serena and I, and we loved it so much. Um, that was a whole new field to learn about too, that we were like, okay, we love this to be our career, maybe into retirement. Like, cause then we've gotten so burned out by social media and all of that, quite honestly, like I think many of us right. have that are in that world that we're like, we took almost like six months off from our blog to write these cookbooks. And we're like, 
we love this. This is what we've gotten away from. Because when we first started doing our blog, that's what we did. We wrote a recipe and we put it up there and just had fun with it. But then when it came to place, when it's like, okay, you got to do this and you got to do this to market it and advertise it and promote it. And then you got to write this SEO and then all the, and then it took away from what were we, we're trying to teach people how to cook. Like, and it kind of, this doing this cookbook, going right back into the kitchen and testing all these recipes, having friends and family test it, and then putting it out there. We thought this is, this is what we start. This is why we became dietitians. Um, and, we wanted to get back to that. So as far as social media goes, we have a blog. We've updated it um, as far as look goes, but we really don't post a lot of new stuff on it. We have like 700 recipes on it. So we just re-promote the ones that are seasonal. Yeah. And we put our new content into our Facebook Lives. That's We've been really cultivating that over the last four years because we have been trained uh, like to be on camera. And it just seems very feels very natural to us that that's where our audience is and not to be on 50 different social platforms as the new one comes out because, you know, mm-hmm. our audience, our target audience is really on Facebook. So we do a Facebook live every week in our kitchen, just very casual, very like letting our hair down, talking about cooking, interacting with people. Um, and that has helped us with our cookbooks. And it really has kind of pulled us back to why did we become dietitians in the first place um, to educate uh, and to really, you know, have that connection with people through cooking and food. So that's where we are the right now. It's the love of food, exactly. right? We're going back to that. Exactly. I did. I like your life. I did love your life with your daughter. And you're like, isn't she so excited the other day? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She <laughs> she is a piece of she used to um love being on the Facebook lives and now she's a teenager, so it's yeah. kind of funny. She's like <laughs> whatever. And I love it though because it shows real life. I mean we right. laugh. We have had everything happen on Facebook lives, like the camera fall off the tripod. Serena had her smoke <laughs> alarm go off once, but we're like that gets the most likes because people are like they're human, just like us. And that's yes. what we, you, you know, like I'm sure you get it from a customer. Oh, like you're the family. You're yeah. gonna see what's in my cart. You're gonna judge me at what's my cart. I mean, heck, I don't even work in a, a supermarket, and people say that to me when I walk in the supermarket. You know, I mean, at, like I meet them, they're like, "You're gonna oh, don't look at my cart." I'm like, "Don't look at my cart." <laughs> Um, but we, that's what we do love about social media that it's brought back to, um, because back in the day when we do TV and media training, it's very like, okay, this is how it is. It's formal. We're wearing suits and all that. This is like our hair is down. Mm. Sometimes our hair is up in a messy bun. And, you know, one time the cat jumped up on the calendar, like it's real life. (laughs) And we're not going to sit here and be like, we sit around the table every night with our children and get them to eat all their fruits and vegetables. That's what happens. So we feel like if we can really show, that side of us and that we're human too. And then there's nothing like interacting live when someone's like, wait, how'd you do that? How did you cut that garlic again? Or you know what? I really, really don't like garlic. Is there another option for this? And that's what we really try to drive home in our cookbooks is talking about, we we like to drive home. This can be simple, especially with Mediterranean diet with which we embraced. Um, It does not have to be expensive. It can be for any kind of budget. Um, and also that it is approachable. It is something you can do, whether you're a meat and potato person, we have meat chapter in there, or you are a vegetarian or even a vegan. We have those options too, but we also always have, how can you substitute in? That's the other thing. Every ingredient you can find in your local grocery store. Serena lives in a rural area outside St. Louis. And she's, if, if she couldn't find it in her grocery store, we were not putting it in the book, basically. Like you have to be able to 
That's a good approach. Yeah, because yeah. I think sometimes people hear Mediterranean, they think, oh my gosh, do I have to go buy like funky like spices? I'm going to use once or no, 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 none of that. Um, and then maybe you don't like the certain type of nut. Well, you can use this nut instead. Or maybe you're not big on beans. Well, you can use this instead. Or, you know, you don't really like fish. Well, we're going to show you different ways where you don't have to eat a whole filet of fish, but we have ways where fish can be breaded and maybe you'll like it that way. Or you're smothering it in like, uh, like a tomato sauce that you really like, or it's going to have a crust of nuts and cheese on it. So maybe, you know, mm -hmm. so we really try to just like we talk about, you know, the word diet's been villainized, but no diet fits every single person. Well, cooking really doesn't either. It's going to depend on what your skill level is, what your lifestyle is, what your um, tastes are. And we don't ever, we always say, like, if you don't, we always admit what we don't like. Like, I hate peas. Serena laughs because she's, she has a thing in the cookbook <laughs> about, um, we have little head notes for every recipe and every recipe has a healthy kitchen hack too. And that's our way to either tell you how to speed up the recipe, how to do a substitute for a recipe or explain like maybe how to make your herbs last longer or in one head, one healthy kitchen hack, she talks about peas and she's like, I like to say, Deanna, give peas a chance. Um, but she <laughs> talks about like, if you don't like them, maybe it's because of how they've been cooked. And she said she, when she uses frozen peas, sometimes she doesn't even cook them. She just lets them thaw because the second you overcook mm. them, they taste gross. Um, you know, things mm -hmm. like that, where people are like, I don't think I like Brussels sprouts. Okay, have you tried them roasted with this olive oil and maybe just a little bit of pinchetta with it? Or, you know, like, can we change the way it's been cooked too? But if you're like, no, I really don't like them. That's fine. I don't like cauliflower. People can't believe that a dietitian I'm like, I, I just don't <laughs> oh like my. it. I don't like the crust. I don't like, if I want pizza crust, I want pizza crust. I just don't like the taste of it, but that's okay. Like I will have mm -hmm. another vegetable instead. So we try to, that's really what we, um, we, our tagline is two dietitian who, two dietitians who love food as much as you do. And to just have that come across that, yeah, we eat bacon. We also eat broccoli. Um, and there's room for both. So. I love that. And like when you think, when you, I'm, I'm assuming you were approached by a publisher to write the book, write the book. Yes. So that's been a yes. very interesting um, process. If you want me to get into that a little bit, what I've learned about um, publishing over the years. So there is a publishing company called Callisto. Um, they publish under Rock Ridge Press. And they've become very big over the last four or five years, especially in the dietitian space. Um, we were approached by them about three or four years ago, and they are different than your very traditional, even like 10 years ago, the way you would get published, it, unless you self-published, which was harder back in the day. Now it's a lot easier with Amazon and there's a lot of tools on how to do it and resources out there. But you would have to get um, you would have to pitch a publisher and unless you were some famous chef and they would probably come to you, but you'd have to write a proposal and you would have to figure out a way to get it into the hands of someone who would read it and maybe accept it. A lot of times you have to get an agent to pitch it for you. It's a very laborious project, a process if you were not like really a name or known. Um, but Callisto, which kind of changed the publishing world on its on its head because they're very much of the model of they are like a SEO driven. They're very data driven oriented. Um, they're all on, it's all online that what they do um, and they do put books in actual stores, but they're all about selling online. They understand the power of Amazon to sell books and they mm -hmm. find what people are searching for trend wise. So not just in the cookbook arena, but let's say, you know, people are searching on like how, well, right now it'd be like, you know, how to save money, like 
during a quarantine or whatever, whatever people are Googling, they will then go find the talent to write that book versus the other way that it's normally been done where I have an idea for a cookbook. I go to and try to pitch it to someone and try to convince someone like this is a hot topic. This is important. They actually have the data to show what people are searching for. So now they want a book written by mm. someone and they will approach you. Now, how they're different is they give you a set price. You don't get royalties. Um, it's very it's a low price compared to what traditional publishers um, spend. And I know that does shy away some dietitians, at least it did back in the day. But Serena and I, the reason we did it was we weren't doing it for the money. There is a lot of equity in having a cookbook, depending on what you want to do with it. And we were like, okay, we were approached to do a Mediterranean diet one, which we never pegged ourselves as Mediterranean diet um, dietitians. But when we looked at what was on our blog and how we like to eat, how we like to cook, it very much fit the lifestyle because it's really a lifestyle. Mm. It's not a specific diet. Like you have to have this, you have to have this versus eat more plants, eat more seafood, eat more beans, eat more whole grains, kind of take a breath when you're eating. Like, you know, we're not doing tons of snacks in between meals. Like desserts are more an occasional thing. You have fruit after dinner, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, there's room for sweets too, but it's more about like what you can have versus, you can only have this type of thing. And we like that idea of a lifestyle. So we thought we have a lot of recipes on our blog already. And the other reason it seemed easier to do because there was two of us doing it. The sure. other thing about Callisto is their timelines are very tight. Um, so it was a lot of work. Um, and we really tested our recipes because unfortunately, sometimes people in this day and age, when you don't. wake out, yeah, and you don't find out, <laughs> you write a yeah. book. And you might be a big name or you might have, and that's the problem now. I feel like with Callisto, they are getting a little oversaturated. But um, so we took that knowing, okay, we're not going to make that much money. But the, 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 bone, the pros that came out of it that we could have never foreseen was the marketing support was incredible, which is not true for normal traditional publishers. If you're, especially you're, you're kind of an unknown, they put some effort into it and then you're on your own. Where Callisto has a set plan and they do it six weeks before the book launches because they understand the power of people buying the book before it goes it officially launches they understand all of they had like a like a model down on okay promote it this much on facebook this week and talk about it this way and then they have um a whole review team of people to encourage people to buy the book and write reviews or you'll get a free copy and you can write a review you have to disclose that but we learned so much about how to market books online um, and we worked, uh, we had the other thing, the whole process was very, as much as it's streamlined, there wasn't a lot of pictures in the book. Um, you know, we didn't really have a say on the look of the book and everything, but we learned so much through the process. It was just an amazing learning process. And because we put the time in with promoting our book the way it was supposed to, and it was, we knew it was going to be a good topic because it's one of those Mediterranean diet is always around. There's so much research around it. It's not going away. It's not a flash in the pan. It's not keto. It's not like whole 30. It's not, you know, like that will be the new thing right. later. Um, every January, the Mediterranean diet books like are top of the list because the U.S. Uh, News and World Report comes out and rates quote unquote diets. It's always up there because the research is there. And um, so we did so well with this book that it made us then desirable to a traditional publisher. So we were able, we made us desirable to an agent. And when we decided we want to do this, we want to keep doing this. So Callisto 
is very much of the mindset. They're like, we're not for everyone. And we know like you have outgrown us now. Like we can't afford to what you could go make at a traditional publisher now based on the sales you've done Mm. and all that. So then we were able to, with a cookbook agent, the second book is with a traditional publisher, which is Houghton Mifflin that has a bigger budget. And then we were able to give it, get in advance. And once we sell so many books, we will make royalties. And there was a bigger budget. We have like 60 pictures in this cookbook where the other one had like 10 in it. Um, So it was interesting, the experience the second time around, but it's like everything. We had all these grand plans. We love the editor we work with. He's the one who saw our vision from the start. And then um, he w- we were talking to him about like, hey, we'd love to keep working in this genre. And he was giving us ideas and maybe the next couple of books he would possibly and be interested. And then he left that publishing house. <laughs> oh, geez. And, um, <laughs> and then COVID hit. And but we were so lucky. Our book, all the um, all the heavy lifting, like the photo shoot was in January in New York. All of that was before COVID hit. So there were so okay. many books this year. I feel so bad for authors that had to get pushed back their launch dates because so many reasons because books are especially with traditional publishing houses like a year or two years out and um you know we were so lucky when it, it did not change the date when it launched or anything so um yeah so this one um We'll see how it does. I mean, we don't have the power of the Callisto marketing arm behind it, online marketing. But from what we've learned of things, um, we were able to, and what we did with the other book too, we parlayed it in other opportunities, um, like speaking engagements with sponsors, like the Dairy Council sponsored us to speak at some dietetic conventions. uh, Yeah, to talk about the Mediterranean diet and how dairy plays a role in it. And then they bought our books and gave them out to the audience. So there, we found different ways to kind of monetize that. Now we have a cookbook and it just, you know, gave us some more clout, but we found equity through other ways, not just by specifically because we didn't make like money on royalties with it through people sponsoring it and promoting it that way. So, um, and that is just something we've brought to the table because of what we did for a career way back when um, too, which is, has helped us as well. So, um, you know, it's interesting. We thought, I think we were getting too big for our bridge, just thinking like, well, now we have a traditional publisher and we'll just publish a couple more cookbooks. And now we're like, okay, we're trying to back because that the new editor, I think, I think they're all overworked over there because this guy left and there's some rumblings of things changing over there. So I don't know if they're in a position to take on new people, new books now. And it's one of those, okay, now we're back to square one. Do we pitch to other people? Do we have, so it's, we're, it's kind of, I mean, we, we have a couple more book ideas in the Mediterranean field to write, but we got to get someone to publish to, to want to publish them at this point. So, sure. but that's where we are right now, but we're, we're kind of trying to and um, enjoy that this, the baby's here, like it took a long time to get here and um, we've been having fun um, just doing like a lot of virtual online stuff to promote it. And it's always amazing. And so heartwarming when you have friends and family, like, Oh my gosh, I just, I love your book. Or my friend just posted how she bought 10 of them for Christmas gifts. And she had a mutual friend Aww. say, I just bought that at Barnes and Noble. I didn't know you knew the author. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's incredible. <laughs> like, 
that? oh, that's such a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have my dad. He did it with the first book. I mean, there. I don't know how much they're actually in stores now because of COVID and all that. But with the first book, he'd go over to Barnes and Noble and like strategically place our book like next to it. Like, <laughs> so funny. Like, <laughs> like, Dad, what are you doing? He's like, I saw it over there, but I put it up on the shelf a little higher. So, yeah. Oh, that's so but, sweet. Yeah, so that's kind of where we are right now. But like I said, I mean two years ago, three years ago, if you would have said we'd have two cookbooks by now, we would have thought you were nuts. Like it, you just never know, even at this point in your, my career where we're, and the next thing I'm doing possibly with another dietitian is now we're looking into, you know, virtual cooking classes are so hot right now that is there something we can do online um, to kind of hold people's hands? People are so tired of cooking. Even if they love to cook, they're just so done with cooking because we're home cooking. That's, That's all, all you do. Yeah. I mean, I love to cook and I'm so done cooking breakfast, lunch, dinner every day. Like we have not been, we've gotten plenty of takeout. We've not sat in a restaurant since March, you know, all of that. And mm-hmm. how do we address that? Um, and that people are just like the love of cooking is gone, even, you know, if you had it. And um, how do we pay, help people 2021 kind of rekindle that, but also look to, if you feel like you have to start eating better and healthier, how can you do that in a joyful way that doesn't feel restrictive and doesn't feel like it's very laborious or expensive or going to take a lot of time too. So that's kind of the new vision for 2021, doing something in that arena, but we'll see. That's another thing to like throw it against the wall, see if it sticks. And um, I didn't tell you about all the things that we've I've thrown against the wall and did not stick. Those are out there too. Believe me, for all these quote unquote successes I'm talking about, there is plenty of those things that, you know, threw against the wall and did not stick. But um, yeah, I think it's just, again, to wrap it up, just like in this area, if there is something alternative you want to do to find mentors who are doing it already, who are will happily share their experience with you, and then to even find a buddy to like be accountable with or someone that can maybe do it with you um, too. And I've, I haven't been as good about this, but I think sometimes getting out of the dietetic field to kind of find that buddy and someone in a total different um, field to bring new perspective in, especially if I know sometimes people do like mini mastermind groups or whatnot. Um, and that is something I feel like I need to do a little bit more is to find, you know, just not, a, it's, a, it's always good to work with a dietitian too, but can you find someone that can bring a new perspective to the table? Cause I think that's sometimes what, you know, Hey, I'm guilty as charged. Sometimes we kind of fall into that rut, whether it's comfortable or, or whatnot too. But, um, that is, that's another thing to kind of keep your eyes open for beyond. That's yeah. a good point. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Cause you can get in that dietitian space and not, you're not able to see yeah. that dietitian space until someone helps Bingo. you. And then it's it. also too, I think sometimes it's hard. I mean, we are guilty of it. Like we see what everyone else is doing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that. And that person's doing that. And just yeah. like fear of missing out and just, um, you know, bringing a new perspective on board. Um, and like I said, that is an area I've done here and there in my life, but I need to do a project with someone like that and just like out of the box kind of thing too. But um yeah, I think, I mean, I'm giving myself some advice right now, too, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good right, exactly. session, right? Yeah, you know that? That's me. This is my therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I did make your skillet oh. shrimp with the tomatoes and feta yeah. last night, and that is that, delicious. Um, like, that so is one good. of my favorite dishes in the book. That almost was the cover. Um, 
And he was inspired by an aunt that is an amazing cook who lives in Seattle and she has this house on a lake. And it's one of these things you're like hanging around and she puts a dish on the table. Like, oh my gosh. And it literally, I mean, didn't it seem, it was so simple to make, wasn't it? So easy. I like, I can't, I can't believe I'm not a very good cook, but I was, it was so easy. I was like, oh my gosh, you're a good cook. Like I can, you are a good cook now. (laughs) So that's honestly the highest compliment you could give the cookbook. And I I mean, not to berate yourself and say you're not a good cook, but feel like maybe you don't feel like you're, but look what you just made. I mean, and it tastes great. And you, and it wasn't, and that is the ultimate goal of everything we Serena and I do or anything that I do with other business partners with this is to make you feel a little more confident in that area. Like, Oh yeah. And switch it up. Cause I'm just as guilty. I make the same four things too. And sometimes when we promote an own <laughs> recipe on the blog, I was like, that's a really good recipe. And I haven't made it in four years. Why would I not make it? So <laughs> it's almost like we need to hold each other accountable. That's something else we're thinking me and this other um, blogger that we're doing maybe in the new year is, um, and she's not a dietitian. I mean, she technically could be, but so there I am doing outside the box. But we're thinking about, do we have some type of, not challenge, because we hate that word, but like accountability, like, okay, you and me, we're going to meet on Zoom and we're going to cook like twice this month and we're going to try these two new recipes together. And, or just, you know, have some accountability where, and then it's maybe like you're helping each other so it doesn't feel like a chore and a way to like, you know, say, okay, we're going to do that and maybe I can help my repertoire, my dinner repertoire. Yeah. I like that. That's what you should do for the online well, that's classes. What we're Maybe that's the angle. Okay, great. Yeah. And we're it's interesting. We're um sending a survey out to because uh, um to to kind of tap some of our, our newsletter subscribers to get a feel for what they want to do. And we're right now for the first thing, we're we're just thinking, okay, this is the launch thing, but the idea was if this is well taken, then this is we'd want to do many different ones and many different themes and ideas. So that's cool to just even hear your um feedback that that sounds like something that might be appealing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that accountability, especially during this crazy time. Oh, tell me about it. I would, if I wasn't for my one girlfriend and we kind of are in our bubble with COVID and everything since March that we meet like two, three times a week to run. I mean, I would turn that, turn that phone (laughs) off and go right back to sleep or it's 40 (laughs) degrees out. No way. But I know I, I, Kristen last night, we were meeting at six and I can't back out now. So absolutely, (laughs) I would so easily be like, nope, not doing it today. So same thing. Yeah, totally yeah. the same thing. Well, I, I love the cookbook. I think it's amazing. And I definitely, I hope that everybody, I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to get some first, I'm going to get a couple. Oh my gosh, you're amazing. Thank you. So yes, I think that's such a great idea and it's so useful to people. So I have a, my cousin and I, we actually buy each other. We really? And we hold it. We, oh. we try to like try a recipe and say, Hey, did you do this recipe? And we make it the same week. We don't, we're not consistent. It's like maybe once every like couple months, but then we try it on the same night and then we kind of oh eat gosh. it together and we talk about it. That I way. love that. So, That's exactly yeah. what we were just talking about. It's kind of that accountability and something fun. And you're like, well, I got to make it cause mm-hmm. she's going to make it. And, and I would love right. it. And now, now we eat it together I on Zoom and we chat. I love that so much. That is fantastic. <laughs> well, I'm happy to, for you, your cousin, and anyone listening, 
Um, we have a newsletter people sign up for and we offer this in our newsletter, but we have sticker inserts that, um, I have a bunch of Serena signed and then I'll autograph them and send them to someone and vice versa oh, that we, okay. uh, sticker inserts to put in your book and all you got to do for free, okay. we just will mail them to you and you just, you, you tell us, is, is it made out to you or if you're buying it as a gift, a friend or whatnot, and we'll, um, free of charge mail that to you to stick into your book. Um, just have an autograph. Okay. I don't know if it increases the value of it or anything, but it just means it's special value. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's someone I know. There you so go. There you so, go. Yeah. So um, we're happy to yeah. offer that up um, for any of your listeners. Um, I don't know if you'll have my email information or you could, it, our contact info is on teaspoonofspice.com too. But if anyone's interested in an email, okay. uh, an insert, a sticker insert, um, you can contact us that way. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, I have the hard question okay. to ask you now, which this is going to okay. be hard for you, I think, because I know you love food. So why don't you share with me some foods that you that really, I really enjoy? enjoy. Um, well, mm. you, it's funny you said the shrimp skillet. I would definitely, you know, when people are like, what are the you know top five foods you bring on your desert, desert island or deserted island? <laughs> Someone said that the other day. Is it desert island or deserted island? Well, I'm like, I think it's deserted, but I guess you could call it a desert island. <laughs> And either one, it would work. <laughs> um, but shrimp for sure. Um, I love all different types of cheese. I think it kind of stems from my dairy days where um, I, I was lucky to... American-made cheeses were not like European cheeses back in the day. There weren't like artisanal American cheesemakers. And there's so many of them now. I just... Give me any kind of cheese, whether it's brie or blue cheese or um, mozzarella, or I just, I'm a sucker for cheese, any kind of cheese. Um, I love that. And really seafood in general. I'm a big, I just, I, I love seafood. I, I, I like cooking it. I always order it out when I go out. And then um, I'm Italian American. So pasta is just, now I don't live mm. without my pasta. I don't do the, um, I will mix like whole wheat pasta with the regular stuff. I'll mix like the zoodle noodles with, with it, but I will never like give up my pasta. I don't give think you have to. There's a whole country <laughs> showing that they're fine at like one of the most right. beautiful people in the world, dress the most beautiful in the world. They have pasta every single day. I'll never forget when I was doing the backpacking across Europe and I'm like this sweaty American in Rome with my tank top and t-shirts and sneakers and all these Italians are walking around. They're like, you know, linen suits covered from head to toe, like 90 degrees, not even sweating, looking gorgeous. Not even sweating. And um, yeah, so, but yeah, I'm, um, I love pasta too. And then all different types of bread. I, I go through phases where I like to make bread. Um, and I think I got to get back into that phase now too. But um, mm, as I travel different countries, time. I just, I always love trying out, um, you know, what the different bread is, because there's always a different type of bread wherever you, any country you travel to, to. So that's, that's up there. Um, you're you're going to have to stop me at some point or I'm going to be back. Okay. <laughs> should we, should we move sure. on to beverages? What kind of beverages do you um, enjoy? I love, love, love Prosecco. Um, I got to say, I feel like I overindulged in it this year with COVID. So I did finally cut back a little and I'm drinking a lot less of it these days, but that has always been my go-to. Um, just, I don't care what time of year it is. I don't save it for special occasions. It's just, that's always been uh, my uh, thing. But the other thing I just, I drink almost every day is, um, I love um, draft lattes. They're from uh, La Colombe is a Philadelphia uh, coffee place here. Um, they sell them in cans now, mm. international. I mean, um, nationally in stores. But it's um, it's basically like a latte, but uh, kind of like poured out like Guinness. It's basically the Guinness 
system, oh. but they mix they with the um okay. This is see, this is where I'm bad at science. Um, you know, <laughs> the way that they tap it into where they have a um with Guinness, they they mix the milk with the the coffee and it comes out on tap. It's literally on a tap. Um Oh my yeah, it's gosh. amazing. But I'm a big sucker that for any kind amazing. of like latte cappuccino. I can't, I don't drink like a black coffee. I need to have a little bit of sweetener in there and I need some milk in there, but I love any kind of like coffee drink type of thing um, is pretty much my thing. And then like um, sparkling water. Those are, I'd say are my three. I'd say those are three picks <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Bubbles, Bubbles are always, are always a, a good idea. thing. I love these questions. Yeah. They're great questions. <laughs> Uh, what kind of scents or smells do you enjoy? Um, I love the smell of the ocean, like salt air. Um, I just mm. adore, adore that smell. Um, and I was thinking the other day, I love gardenias. I've always loved that smell. And that was like mm. a flower. My grandmother, um, she always talked about, you know, her, my grandfather would, if they had a date that he'd buy her a gardenia, a gardenia corsage. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I just associated that smell with her. Um, I love That's that so smell. Sweet. Yeah. It's a yeah. beautiful smell. Yeah. It is. And garlic. Um, I would say garlic. And garlic. <laughs> I swear it's in my blood. Like I'm only one fourth Italian. And my husband's like, you act like you're a hundred percent Italian. I'm like, well, one fourth is the same as a hundred percent, but I, agree, I yeah, sure. I grew up with it in the kitchen <laughs> at all times. So I do love the smell of like, you know, um, garlic cooking in olive oil. Uh, what do you like to watch movies, TV? Is there anything that, you know, things that you enjoy watching with you and your family? Yes, or? yes and yes. <laughs> okay. I am one of those. I'm like, why did I think I was busy back in the day when there was like only cable and there was no Netflix and you had to wait the next week for the show, your show to come out? Like, yeah, there are so many good, <laughs> amazing. I'm even rewatching shows, and now there's podcasts. If you rewatch shows, I'm rewatching Scrubs right now. I'm listening to the podcast, and then also oh. The Office. I'm I'm a sucker for any like really well written um, comedy. And Schitt's Creek is one of my new favorites. And yes, Arrested so Development is one of my all time favorites. And um, yeah, I'm rewatching The Office right now. But you know what I just watched that I'm telling everyone about is Ted Lasso. Um, it's it's Jason Sudeikis. I never say his name right. Sudeikis, Sudeikis who I think is hilarious. I, I mean, I watch movies, everything. He was in Horrible Bosses with Jason Bateman. Yes. Yes. He's, so with funny. Another, he's an, I mean, another huge fan of and Charlie Day. It's Always Sunny in Philly. That's another one. I feel like you have to watch that if you're from Philly. But um he always yeah. plays a sarcastic kind of guy. And in this, he's so, he, it's a completely different opposite character. He's this um, American football coach who kind of has a Southern accent, who is brought over to England to coach a, an English, well, football over there, soccer team. And just him kind of like, you know, out, fish out of water kind of thing. But it is surprisingly like uplifting and warm. I don't go for like corny smarmy, but it's kind of in a nice way. And it is really hilarious. It's the same guy who wrote scrubs and um, it's on Apple TV. I just got it for free for a week just to watch it. But that's the one I just watched. That was, there's so many good things on the queen's gambit is one. I just, Oh, I'm playing chess online now because of that. (laughs) 
Yes, it's so good. I'll have to check out the Ted. I'm telling you, like you, it's one of the ones I can't stop talking about. It's it's and it's only ten episodes. There's just something about it. I rewound. I know. I, God, I'm dating myself. Do you even say rewound? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Every episode, there's a line in there that is so I burst out laughing, like so funny that, um, yeah. But as far as with the family, I have a 13 year old and, you know, everyone's doing their own thing these days kind of thing. But um, she and I have watched and I am not for as much as I love food and all that. I don't watch cooking shows. I just I'm not a Food Network watcher. I don't like the competition shows. They make me nervous. Iron Chef, all that. None of that. (laughs) But I love, love, love great. um, The great British baking show. Oh, adore my that. gosh. So addicting. My yes. daughter and I watch that together, which is kind of cool. Um, she actually really yeah. enjoys it too. And she's laughing at things I don't think she understands. But the other thing, as I'm getting older, <laughs> I listen to those things, especially the English versions. And this Ted Lasso I did between, between the English accents and his kind of Southern accent, I list, I do the closed captions because I... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what did you say? So I do do that at this point. But those are, um, oh my gosh, there's so many good ones. The other one that I love is Dairy Girls. That was uh, um, just an obscure one that was um, really, really funny that, again, you have got to watch with subtitles because they're in Ireland and you want to. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I could go on and on. I have a lot of favorite movies too, but um, I'm a if I have to pick, I'm a sucker for like really well written kind of comedies. Veep was one of my very favorite. Um, Curb your enthusiasm. Yeah. I like all the classics like Seinfeld and all that. I love to laugh. Yeah, I yeah, love to I laugh. Too. So. And what brings you joy? Well, in life? I guess that laughing, laughing, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's but, good. Um, being at the beach just. I could just sit all day on a beach and listen to the ocean and watch the ocean. Um, that brings tons of joy. Obviously, being with my family, I mean, it's um, my immediate family, small, my husband and daughter, but we, we have a lot of, he's one of 11, so we have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of yeah. excited family. Um, <laughs> laughing, just laughing with friends. And when we could just laugh about like things we did at life or like just, whatnot. And then um, I'm a crazy cat lady. I have two cats. I love cats. I, there's nothing better than the cats sitting on your lap purring. Um, I just, Aww. yeah, that's, that's my, I always say when I retire, I'm going to open a senior cat Prosecco bar where you can adopt senior cats. And it's like a Prosecco bar too, where you can have drinks. <laughs> the cat. Okay. Well, let me know when you open that. And I, I love will be it. there because I'm a crazy cat lady really? too. Oh, so we'll have to talk. We'll have to talk. Yeah, we on um I don't know if you're on Twitter, but there's a there's a lady that started Cat RD Day. What? How did I miss this? Yes, you need to be part of it. So like, there's I think there's like twenty some of us that are all dietitians that are that we celebrate Catterday every Saturday and post a picture of our babies. So I need to get that's what I'm doing when we hang up right now because that's I'm with you. And the older I get, I just embrace it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll okay. find you and I'll connect how with many, you. Yes, how many we'll cats do, do you have? I have, okay. one. I have one now. Yeah. You used to have two, but yep. I have one and she is, yep, she's pretty amazing. Oh my I gosh. Love her. <laughs> the people who don't like cats, I'm like, I mean, I'm telling you their personalities. Yeah. I mean, my one now, he is a dog. He is literally, he thinks he's a dog. He eats Aww. like a dog. He's underfoot <laughs> all the time. Like, <laughs> come home and he comes to you and he's his name's pete he i rescued him when he was nine he's this big old he got diabetes and like he's doing better now but yeah um oh we'll 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 definitely connect 
Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> the cat. Yeah, so you yes. can open the franchisee <laughs> version in the Midwest. Um, <laughs> that would be perfect. <laughs> I, I'm seeing this as a good future venture. <laughs> Well, Deanna, it has been such a lovely talk with you today. I've learned so much from you and I love your enthusiasm. I love your lives. I love your cookbook. So thank you for all you're doing and all you've done to kind of pave the way for dietitians. And I look forward to connecting with you in the Likewise, future. And thank you so much. Um, I feel very humble. And thank you for having this platform and doing this because, man, I wish this podcast existed when I was starting out or when I was when I was starting out or wanting to make a career change at some point. Um, so this is fantastic. And um, yeah, I'm so glad we've connected. I didn't get the chance to tell Deanna when we were chatting, but I remember when I was starting to get interested in blogging earlier in my career, I remember seeing the blog brulee and I thought it was so awesome that there was a group of dietitians getting together to do that type of work. And now that I know that her whole story of her journey and that she was part of that it's so fascinating to see the impressive like movement for dietitians in that social media landscape that she was a part of and i can't recommend her her and serena's cookbook more i she sent me a book and i love it and i've made quite a few recipes in there and it is delicious food so make sure you at least think about getting the cookbook get it for someone that you love um and then you know just really connect with deanna she does some great facebook lives her and serena both do so head on over to the show notes the book link is there so is her facebook live and so is her contact information remember to be great always find the joy in each day and to start a conversation that truly matters